We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, my goodness! Stunning! With the left hand! Devontae Deep! Oh, my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 30-foot on the back! Just stop it already! All right, guys. Welcome in to another BuzzBeat podcast, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. On today's episode, we'll be breaking down Florida's guard, combo guard, Trey Mann, you want to watch the video version of this it's already out on buymeacoffee.com slash buzzbeat for our buy me a coffee supporters if you just donate once you'll get access to this video Uh, again this is also linked in the episode notes so we've done a couple of these so far we're basically trying to break down the prospects in a bite-sized manner we're going to do Trey Mann we're going to hit his offensive defensive strengths and his offensive and defensive weaknesses And if we see a potential fit here in Charlotte, I know that for the 11th overall pick, it seems kind of high, but I know that some people do have Trey Mann in their top 15 on their big board. So it it could be a matter of of a reach here, but I I think there are a lot of things to like about Trey Mann. Me being a Florida fan, I I try not to be too biased, but after watching more and more of Trey Mann, I I do like him. Brian, uh, how's it going? I know that we've been doing a lot of these prospect videos and podcasts so far, but how's it going, man? It's going well. Um, I mean, I love talking the draft. For me, this is a you know twelve month a year thing, and and it's cool. It'll be kind of fun to talk about someone like Mann that I that I watched a fair amount as freshman year too, but but obviously made just a monster leap. Uh, as a sophomore, and um, no, he's a fun. Trey Man's a fun offensive player to watch, and I think he should make for a you know a good one for us to to talk about a, on a little scouting report here. Yes, and and so this the way that this is going to work, it's going to be bite sized about twenty to twenty five minutes. Uh, we're going to start with a statistical profile, then break down his strengths, then his weaknesses, and then finish it off to see if he fits here in Charlotte. So Trey Man, twenty years old, out of Florida, sophomore. Counting stats here, 16 points a game, 5.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.4 steals. Shooting numbers, 49.4% on twos, 40.2% on threes, and had a true shooting percentage of 57.9%. He's 6'3", 178, 
I would say his athleticism is pretty average, like nothing that's going to blow you away. But, you know, he does have some wiggle to him. He's not the speediest of players. Uh, but again, like I, I would just probably classify it as an average athleticism. I'm going to start with his offensive strengths. Uh, defensively, <laughs> there's not many to kind of point out. But offensively, Trey Mann, very, very shifty, like I mentioned, uh, and in ball handling. He, he loves that step back. He loves that pull-up shot from deep. He's very effective at faking the drive and pulling it back. And he's really got legitimate NBA range. Like, if you go under screens, he will make you pay. So, uh, the one way in which you're going to defend Trey Mann is definitely not by going under screens. Maybe, maybe as a rookie, he'll have to kind of find his way through the NBA season. But just a crazy stat here. Only 32% of his three-point shots were assisted on. To give you a <laughs> reference, Jalen Suggs, he was assisted on 51% of his three-point shots. Uh, Cooper from Auburn, he was assisted on 54% of his three-point shots. And then Davion Mitchell, 60% of his made three-pointers were assisted on. So there's a big margin. I know those are only three names, but that, there's a big margin between some of these guards and the top half of this draft and Trey, Trey Mann here. I must said Trey Young. <laughs> very, very similar type in terms of just pulling up from deep. So I think that's the biggest thing that I watched and noted from him you know, it's just the fact that his three-point shot number volume is good, but also the fact that he's a pull-up guy. Like, he's he's not really a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a pull-up guy, Brian. Yeah, no. Uh, well, you call him, you compare, you mix him up with Trey Young, and I'll mix him up with Terrence Mann. How about that? <laughs> and we'll, we'll meet we'll meet somewhere in the middle, and we'll uh, we'll get the right guy here. So during during like lockdown last summer and fall, I actually randomly just sort of decided to watch a ton of Florida. Uh, from the 2019-2020 season, mm-hmm. uh, they were they were initially supposed to play Virginia like the first week of the year, and that was a game that um, you know unsurprisingly got postponed and then and then canceled. But it was really cool to go through their playbook and and, and catch a lot of you know Noah Locke, who's now going to be at Louisville with Scotty Lewis, who was just at the combine this week with Keontae Johnson, who um, should have been at the combine this week, but uh, you know unfortunately yeah. he's been dealing the last six months with a um, with a with a pretty serious medical condition and uh you know who knows you know if and when Keontae Johnson could actually like engage in a, in a pro career but we're just glad that he's healthy and, and safe you know the numbers itself with Trey like he really struggled as a freshman right I mean really like in all all regards like negative assist to turnover low usage but like kind of a high turnover rate really struggled shooting threes struggled shooting from every level in the court was just a a totally inefficient offensive player despite getting the fact that he got played around good personnel and even sort of like being a combo guard role with Andrew Nemhard, who ended up having an, a really nice season at Gonzaga. And it was Nemhard transferring out that sort of like opened the door for yeah. this to become the Trey man show. And he stepped through it this year, man. Um, like big ups to him for a guy that got like way better, took on way more usage had his usage rate jump up from under 20% to 26% and has had his efficiency jump through the roof across the board in every metric. Um, you mentioned the shot creation with the three pointers, like shot 40% on threes with yeah, only 32% of those assisted, but he shot 42% on long twos with only 4% of those assisted. And he shot 60% at the rim, which is like, you know, okay, not great, not great volume either. We'll touch on that at some point today, but 
only 17% of those assisted too. So you can just see like the vast majority of the buckets this guy got last season from every level of the court came off his own dribble. And that's sort of what you're going for with Trey Mann, right? Like is the upside offensive creation, the advantage creation and what the, what his passing, what his vision and what his pull up gravity and step back gravity could mean uh, for, for an offense. He got measured at the combine this week and, you know, I don't think anything anyone was expecting big numbers, but he measured at 6'4", uh, a little over 6'4", in shoes with a negative wing. So, well, it depends on if you want to compare it to his height without shoes or his height with shoes, but uh, a 6'4 wingspan, so, like, basically an identical wingspan. So that's sort of low for, an, for you know, for an off-guard type, but obviously Trey Mann has plenty of, like, on-ball uh, creation equity, and, and that's going to be a big part of himself going forward. Just, like, can he tap? Can he, like, make enough shots? Because if he does that, you know, it, it feels like it's going to, you know, open up a lot of other stuff and open up the drive game and, and really lead him into being a good offensive player. And then you'll sort of, like, live with whatever you get from him. Uh, defensively, a really good vision, really good live dribble passer, big-time shooting range. You mentioned it off the dribble from the freaking logo. You know, either a quick shot where the defender makes the mistake, goes under the screen, he pulls quickly, isolated in late clock situations, like has the side-to-side dribble and quick pull. Like, those are pro moves. Mm-hmm. Fluid step-back jumper. Use that crossover handle or or when he rejects a screen to set up and, and step back for separation. Get that, get that space creation, you know, 20-plus feet from the rim. Pretty darn impressive. Really one of my favorite space creators in the draft. And that go-to, like, stop on a dime, right-to-left crossover for the step-back three. Pretty nasty, man, honestly. Uh, and something that has, like, you know, sort of, like, wipe out crossover potential. And you, you talked about his athleticism being, like, not great. Like, totally agree. But he does have, like, you know, he's pretty bendy. He's pretty flexible. You see that when he gets to some of these step backs and crossover moves. So even though he's not, like, a, you know, a violent, like, vertical athlete, like, he's got some so – there are some physio advantages to his – his game but because of the the lack of like real like elite burst you know can't always turn the corner and pick and roll um there's certain finishes around the hoop he'll think twice um you know we'll we'll look to go into the defender create contact knock them off then try to separate and finish as opposed to sort of just like going up strong but generally can get you know north south with the basketball uses a mixtures of, of ball screens, changes of speed. He really is one of the best change of speed guys in this draft too. And his handle to um to to create uh advantage. Before we talk on maybe some of his other some of the things he does pretty well as a finisher, what do you make of man as a guy that like do you envision him as someone that can constantly get into the paint off a off a dribble or you know with or without a ball screen? Do you, do, you, do you see him as someone that can be like that in the NBA, specifically, I guess, like with a screen? Man, that that's tough. I think if I had to answer, I would say no. I, I think to, to me, when I envision the way that he plays, he's a pull-up three-point shooter, and I view him as a guy that is a pretty strong decision maker out of the pick and roll. Like, his passes are fine to the roll man. He can make passes to the corner three guy. Uh, if the low man is helping out in the paint... He can make passes on the move, but in terms of like his burst and his height and his athleticism and trying to get into the paint, 
I think you kind of slightly mentioned this, like his attempts at the rim weren't great. And yeah. I think that kind of goes back to a lot of the measurables and, and him trying to get into a NBA weight room. I think that's much needed for this guy to, to be a factor inside the paint. So that I would say no as of now. I just see this guy as a pull-up three-point shooter and a guy that can work the pick and roll and maybe get close to the paint, but to put pressure on the rim... I'm kind of I'm kind of hesitant on that. That is like it, but 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 you're you're also like it's interesting. To, you did a good job there because not only like talking about his limitations, you're highlighting like the things that he could use right to sort of like leverage that. You know, it's like if Trey Young hits enough pull up threes, he's going to be able to get into the lane <laughs> off the pull up gravity, right? right, right. So he gets enough step back threes, he can you he can leverage that. If um if he can be like real manipulative in the pick and roll, then he can use that. He can use his craft to to get into the lane and get downhill and like you know he's going to make good decisions and he's gonna he's gonna kick out. He's gonna spray out for shooters. He'll hit lob guys. Like he's got you know he, he has good vision. And he's an unselfish player and you know he can make a, a bunch of different passes. And he's you know he's not like a, a, a massive jumbo playmaker type, but you know, a bigger guard, although probably will be hindered a little bit by the lack of length. Like there's some passes that like, you know, Cade Cunningham, Scott, Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy, like those guys can make that Trey man, you know, maybe can't because you know, he's just not quite as big as, as, as those guys are the floater. I used all, I wanted to talk about his floater. Maybe it is also because we're watching Trey young in the, in the yeah. playoffs, not, yeah. to, not to confuse you here, uh, Richie, but like, that Trey Young's been using the floater as a, as a real weapon uh, in the playoffs and as a way to sort of like be a giant killer. Here you see Trey Mann getting north-south out of that little chin pick and roll and then going right into that little floater. And he was pretty darn good running running chin ball screens, uh, which is like a staple of, of Mike Young's offense at, at uh, Florida, but like was an elite runner and floater shooter uh, with the uh, with the Gators this season. And like that's going to be something that like he's going to have to keep rolling. Like that's got to be something he makes – X percentage of the time, right? To be a counter for when he does get downhill and things are a little hairy, a little contested at the rim. Well, you just go with the giant killer and hit, you know, hit him with the, hit him with the floater. Um, but I just love, like, if you look across the board with him, like there are so many different benchmarks that we can use to sort of like as an indicator for skill. And like, he checks the, he checks the boards, right? Like 83% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this season, 79% for his career. Uh, we talked about the floater game. We talked about the pull-up three-point shooting game. And this year at Florida, uh, Trey Young uh, was in the 90th percentile in terms of jump shots off the dribble, um, over 53% effective shooting on big-time volume. Like, if you if you adjust for, like, the true, like, high-volume pull-up shooting bombers in the country this year, like, you know, he was up there with guys like, Davion Mitchell, Johnny Juzang, uh, Max Amas, uh, Marcus Zagorowski. Like, these were these were the best guys, right, in terms of, like, the comp- Dwayne Washington out of Ohio State. These were, like, the best guys in terms of volume, efficiency, um, pull-up shooting. In fact, yeah, Trey Mann was number six nationally amongst guys with um, 100 or more of those uh, off-dribble jump shots. Uh, Juzang, Davion, also top five. Zagorowski, number seven. I mean, Zagorowski didn't exactly have a good showing at the Combine necessarily either, but, like, he too is, a, you know, a prospect of sorts. So, Trey had a great season. I, I really – I don't think he's necessarily, like, a 
maybe not like a, a primary, but can be a, you know, a good secondary creator and he can play off the ball some, which he has some reps doing at Florida mm-hmm. as well. Like he, he played as like a combo each of the last two seasons with the Gators, even if he was, you know, like the singular, like, you know, a, you know, primary go-to creator for them. Like uh, Tyree Appleby still handled the ball for them, you know, a, a lot this season. So did Quest Glover uh, before I guess he got um, sort of like landed outside the rotation or whatever. But just the point is like, I think Trey is a guy that you can, you can feel comfortable knowing that like, it's not going to be some like crazy adjustment for him to come in. It may be a secondary role, be a guy that can, you know, be a secondary creator for your top, your starters, and then also, you know, lead a second unit offense too. I kind of like the Jordan Clarkson comparison uh, with, with Trey Mann. I kind of like that one uh, a little bit. So um, I don't know. What do you think? I guess the, the way to move this now is what do you think about Trey? Now let's, let's zero in on Charlotte a little bit here. What do you think about Trey Mann's fit hypothetically with the, uh, the Hornets and their, their current like nucleus of players? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll answer that, but I'll go back to what you're saying about Trey Young in terms of how teams are defending him or, or how you're supposed to defend him because they are in a predicament if they go over the screen, Trey Young can use that floater game. If they go under the screen, Trey Young can use the pull-up three-point shot. And hopefully Trey Mann can develop that floater enough because right now I just don't see that burst and speed and that physicality to get all the way to the rim. He did shoot 
sixty percent, I believe, at the rim. But the, like I said, the just the attempts weren't there. So, in terms of Charlotte, uh, well, first off, I know the draft comes before free agency, but if Charlotte were to lose Monk and or Devonte, I feel like man can fill that void. Obviously they're not exact copies of each other. I think one thing that I would be interested in is how well he can play off ball and how effective he can be in that type of role. Because primarily I think that he wants the ball. I do think that he wants the ball in his hands. I don't doubt that he could maybe be, maybe be like a good player to to run that second unit offense in Charlotte, but just with the way that Borrego and just teams in general like to stagger, like how is he going to fit with more ball-dominant players in Charlotte when Gordon Hayward needs his touches, when LaMelo Ball potentially plays with Trey Mann if, if Charlotte drafts him. Like, I, I just, that's the one thing that I'm a little bit worried about how he does play off ball. Maybe you can speak a little bit more to that. I just, I guess I haven't seen enough of it. But in, in clearly, he doesn't fix the defensive issues in Charlotte. Yeah. I, I think yeah. his point of attack defense lacks some resistance. And I, I guess the biggest limiting factors in that, you know, is, is the fact that he doesn't have this speed or physicality. And maybe, maybe some technique here and there. I think with him getting under some NBA coaches, getting in the workout room, you can see the potential on the defensive side of the court. Like, I wouldn't say he's below, I mean, he's below average, but I wouldn't say like he's well below average. I think he does compete at certain moments in the game, but I just think the overall impact is not there on the defensive side of the court. So I think it would be a good replacement, if you want to call it, for Monk and or Devante, but it's one of those things, do you want to be drafting a guy that can only run a second unit offense and just have some issues off ball? I don't know how well he's played off ball. I know that you said that he has, but to me, when I watch all these tape and the, and the film on him, it just seems like he's a guy that wants the ball. Yeah, I guess I the way, to, the way I should frame it is it's like, it, it's like he'll start like Appleby brings the ball up across half court. Okay. Then they run, then they get into their chin action, and then the ball gets flipped to Trey Mann to, like, run, pick, and roll, actually, right? But, like, he's getting the ball <laughs> with, like, 20 seconds left on the clock, you know? Um, even though he sort of, like, starts the possession and in, in sort of the off-ball roll. But, like, I don't know. His spot-up numbers, the sample is obviously not low. We just talked about how many, like, unassisted threes, he, you know, in shots and threes he made this year. But spot-up numbers are, like, not – not too, too bad. You know, it'd be interesting to see him run, like, pick and roll with, like, true spread personnel. You know, Florida had really only, like, outside of outside of Trey Mann, only had, like, one other, like, volume three-point shooter and Noah Locke. And, like, Noah Locke's, like, a pure, Corner. pure catch-and-shoot guy. And he's a great, I mean, he's a big-time, on good volume, like a big-time spot-up, you know, movement shooter type. But, you know, you're playing with Colin Castle and Anthony DeRuji, who's a you know great athlete at the four, and Castleton was a nice piece at center for them on both sides of the court this year. But, like, you know, DeRuji shot some threes, but he missed a lot of them. It'd just be interesting to see with him getting to play with, you know, multiple, you know, at least two or three shooters out on the court, right? So they could actually be running a, you know, true, true spread pick and roll, uh, ball screen, ball screen action. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm sort of, I'm like, you know, a little bit of interest with him as like potential insurance for like, you know, Monk and Devante, right? Like, and it's interesting too with Charlotte because they're still clearly in, they're trying to do this thing right now where they're both building, but also trying to win right now too. Hence by the, the, the LaMelo pick 
but also by them trading for Hayward and stretching Batum, but then also being hesitant. And I thought I was glad that they did. They were to make any sort of like deal at the deadline this year, right? Like hanging on to miles bridges, hanging on to PJ Washington. Can you imagine if they had traded miles bridges, man, like mid season, if that had actually had happened. So um, they're trying to wear two shoes at the same time, which, you know, can create some dissonance and maybe that can, can that sort of can create issues for you when it comes to like, the draft or whatever, like, what do you do with the pick? Who do you pick? Trey man doesn't help this area where like this team, where they have like the two biggest, like glaring needs on the roster, right? Like mobile center, mobile five. We talk about these things all the time. And then like perimeter defense, like, he's not going to help you there, but having another creator and pull up shooter is, is sort of interesting. And Lamelo's shown the ability to like play with the ball and without the ball and do different things. And Borrego has a, you know, a, an offensive system, you know, that's going to, even when you don't start the possession on the basketball, you may run across two Iverson screens and then catch the ball on the side. And then, you know, there's the, a side ball screen or there's more, there's wedge pick and roll or whatever that, that then flows into that. So there are ways to sort of like play those two guys hypothetically together. Um, I really like, I really like Trey man as a prospect. I don't think he makes a ton of sense for Charlotte for, for a few different reasons. And I think there are probably like more sensible prospects to be had, even though I really am intrigued by yeah. the creation upside of Trey man. And it's rad that he made such a big step this year, turning himself into a guy that's like a legit, you know, lottery prospect. I think he's underrated by most people, but I also think 11 is too high. If that makes any sense. Like that's, that's kind of how I would you know state it. I think he's underrated by most people who evaluate him, but unless Charlotte is trading back, I, I just can't really see Trey Mann being on a Charlotte roster next season. Last thing I will mention is this. His turnover rate was pretty high, um, and, and some of those turnovers stem from the lack of strength on drives and, and getting knocked off his path. And one thing that we've seen a lot in Charlotte, whether it's Kimba, whether it's Devontae Graham, they were trapped hard. And I think that traps also frustrate Trey Mann. Now, Trey Mann is a little bit taller than those two, and he maybe he can see over the traps a little bit more, but that lack of strength will also play a role in that. And I could see NBA teams trapping him pretty hard on those high pick and rolls and trying to get the ball out of his hands because, again, he likes to pull up off those pick and roll attempts there. Any last thoughts, BG, on Trey Mann before we wrap? Uh, last thing I wanted to, to bring up, because we talked about some of the, you know, maybe some of the concerns with him as like a, like a legitimate rim pressure guy. I mean, we also talked about the counters to that, the, the, the floater, the, the float game, the runner, some of the passing counters. Um, but this guy did, I mean, like Trey Mann did like really up his free throw game this year too, right? Like drew only 2.7 fouls for 40 minutes as a freshman, Again, you know, playing next to guys like Nemhard and Keontae Johnson and and Kerry Blackshear Jr. on the basketball um, as like a you know a, a high post passing center, but this year four point two fouls drawn per forty minutes free throw attempt rate jumped from eighteen percent to almost thirty one percent, and he's like not afraid of contact. Like he'll stick his nose in there and, and you know look for it. And, and there were even the there was the game against Kentucky in Lexington this year. He had a couple possessions in that game where like it was pretty awesome. Like Trey man was like, put his head down and was like clearly going in there to be like, um, we need, I need to get to the free throw line. Like that. The offense is stuck in mud. It's time for me to like, to, it's not like I got a slash and I got to get into the paint. They're going to foul me. And I, and I want to go make my free throws. And it was pretty like, he had two drives uh, during that game where it was like, damn, that's like, that's like a different, 
that's like him not looking for the floater like he's literally just trying to like pure rim pressure so like it's 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 maybe in there he's just limited in 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 certain ways too it's not like he's averse to it i guess is the point i'm trying to make on on man all right if you're listening to this we also wanted to make you aware that there's a video version on buy me a coffee that we will link in the episode notes if you want to get more context on how trey man plays speaking of buy me a coffee we wanted to shout out at real underscore bh underscore 20 on twitter for making a donation we really do appreciate that also, releasing on Thursday, we interviewed UNC Greensboro's Isaiah Miller. Miller is an athletic freak who can jump, but also does a great job of you know, jumping passing lanes. He had 100-plus steals in his sophomore season, and that's only been done 65 times Has a player recorded 100-plus steals in a single season since 92-93. He shares that accolade with players like Theibel, Allen Iverson, Javon Carter, Bonzi Wells, just to name a few. Since you guys stuck around for this long, we will give you guys a short preview of what's to come on Thursday. Again, thank you so much for the support. Make sure you keep sharing our pod, reviewing them on Apple Podcast. You really do have no idea how much that means to us. Here is Isaiah Miller. I've heard from a a well-placed source within the UNCG basketball program. You weren't the biggest, you're not the biggest morning person. And I heard that coach Miller <laughs> would, uh, would try to do some things to get you hyped or annoy you a little bit in the morning yeah. because it was the stuff that you would do to everyone else during the team all day. During yeah. those moments, did you ever have any regrets of playing? Jokingly, did you ever have any regrets of playing for coach Miller when he was, I'm not a morning person either, man. So did yeah. you ever have any of those moments where you're like, man, this guy's on my nerves right now. Nah, man, just when he came up to me every morning, <laughs> just start, the thing is, he, you is right, I used to, I, I used to mess with everybody, like, during the day. If you catch me around, like, like before, like, 9, 9.30, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to be like, all right, everybody leave me alone, let me look at my thoughts together. And you see his man over here with a cup of coffee, come on, man, come on, come on. <laughs> and, and then he's starting to get other guys into it, and they start messing with you in the morning. So, so I was tasting my own medicine a little bit right there. <laughs> but no, nah, I, I, I ain't have no regrets at all. Yeah, yeah, he came yeah up to, of course. When he, when he came up to me and started messing with me, man, it just, you know, woke me up a little bit. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I got everybody later. <laughs> I got everybody later. <laughs> well, being a teacher and having a two-year-old, I have to be a morning person. So, like, I, I, I get up naturally at 6 a.m. So, yeah, that's tough. In these interviews, we like to ask these prospects, like, which NBA player do you try to model your game after? Maybe one or two players that you try to emulate. i say John Morant. John Morant and Pat Bev. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, I'm myself and them, too. I watch a lot of John Morant, Chris Paul, Russell, Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I watch uh watch Pat Bev. I watch Marcus Smart on the defensive end. Yeah. You know, you know, people who basically just passed on the ball, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, Pat Bev uh pushed CP three in the back the other day. That was uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, He apologized for it though. He apologized for it. He got the yeah. you know, I mean emotions come in with the game when you, yeah. you know, feel so close. 